wait a second. You thought you had trust issues, but you just had chlamydia. (laughs) And that's, I think, yeah, that is quintessentially, I think, where my humor comes from, is moments like that. This is your strange and beautiful life. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode five of This is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. My name is Erica J. Schmidt, and on my podcast, I talk to people who may or may not have had the chance to transform their lives into spectacular TED Talks. So today, we are continuing with our streak of plugging fabulous Montreal fringe performers. Our guest is... The gift for humanity, who is Francesca Esguera. And here she comes with her unrivaled wisdom on creativity, humor, chlamydia, online dating, and more. I really hope you enjoy it. And if you do, before, during, and after the show, please remember to follow This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everybody, (laughs) and welcome to This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. My name is Erica J. Schmidt, and today I have a very exciting, coveted guest. Her name is Francesca Esguera. She is a writer and performer and cherished member of the storytelling community in Montreal. Uh, At the age of eight, Francesca appointed herself as editor for the Canadian Girl magazine, and she got the job, and she has been creating ever since. Francesca is currently a co-producer for Confabulation, Montreal's longest-running English storytelling show. And after completing her degree in literature at Concordia, she pursued a master's in, I have play and drama therapy. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Both two different things, but I have both of them. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So she's an ultra-high achiever, and she's already on the ground working with children across the city, including some children and their moms who live or they're temporarily staying at safe houses and on top of this she is preparing a 2023 fringe show with the legendary carol tenbrink tenbrink right and Mm -hmm. francesca is also a legend oh her show is called two lives we're going to talk about it later but francesca welcome to this is your strange and beautiful life we're so happy to have you thank you it was kind of surreal hearing you list all those things because i was like oh my god i'm busy right now you're very busy and you're like 22 right like you're very young <laughs> I'm 29 okay but like but I look 22 a very high achiever mm-hmm. and we like all kinds of achievers on this is your strange and beautiful life we mm-hmm. advocate for just lying on the floor doing nothing but you seem driven to do lots of things yes but I very much appreciate lying on the floor doing nothing and I feel like my job is like the lying on the floor doing nothing version of having a real job (laughs) okay because you don't consider your job a real job I mean it's obviously a real job like I make a paycheck but like sometimes I'm just a pirate for three hours 
playing with the kids. Yeah. Like the other day I was like a rabid dog and the kid was just yelling like, eat me, eat me. And I was just like pretending to eat him. So like it takes a lot of energy, but I feel like it's very, it's not boring. (laughs) No, you would be so good at that. They're so lucky to have you. But I want to get deep into your job job. I mean, wait, it's all a job. I kind of see your whole life as a job. It's like yeah. you get up in the morning, like you have to do like your, is it, I think it's your ablutions. I, I just, there's a lot of things involved in remaining vertical as an adult. But I want to talk about, yeah, your job and your degree and all that. But first, let's go way back to Francesca is eight years old. And you're like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to found a Canadian girl (laughs) magazine. I'm going to be the editor. So how, how did that come about? So are you familiar with American Girl Dolls? Yes. So I was a big American Girl Doll girly. And then American Girl had a magazine. Right. American Girl magazine. And I was like, wait a second, we need our own thing. So I made Canadian Girl magazine, which was essentially... I would like take my mom's old people magazines and US weeklies and I would just collage them on pieces of paper. <laughs> and sometimes I would like dye celebrities' hair. Like I would see what, like if there was like a blonde celebrity, I would put like brown marker over her hair and be like, this is what Jessica Simpson would look like as a brunette. And so that was Canadian Girl magazine. Right. So just in case people don't know what American Doll is. to American give them Girl Doll. Yes. American Girl Doll, right? So this was a thing in like, I know my friends who are my age in their like second half of their 30s were into it, but it was still a thing when it's, your age. Yeah. And I think it's like still a thing. I think it's, yeah, it's been a thing for a long time. So it was like these historical dolls and they always came from a year that ended in four. So like Samantha was from 1904. Uh, Felicity was like from 1774. Was there a Camilla? No. Not at that time. But then there was also Girl of the Year every year. There'd be like a modern doll. Okay. And they would, so like the Girl of the Year that was like my gateway drug into American Girl was Lindsay. (laughs) Lindsay. And she, she had a scooter and she had a laptop and she had like short curly hair. And, and that was the one you wanted. I started with her. It's very interesting. And entrepreneurial you're like I need a laptop yeah and it was it was great it was like it actually had a working calculator function and I would just write like boobs and like show it to my friends and be like hey <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got her but then I had like I went really hard into American Girl dolls like I had a lot of them and a par- my I think my parents had heard that they like increased in value so like, I had to be also very careful with them. So that they'd be a collector's item later on. Yeah, and, oh, like, okay. my mom kept all the, like, original packaging. And I think they're still somewhere in her basement or maybe my dad's basement, like, all back in their original packaging. And you you don't have any at your house? You don't have sentimental value with them? Oh, I do, but I think the sentimental value is also, like, knowing, like, these are supposed to increase in value, and so I should protect them. Okay. Which is kind of weird. I sh- I'm, like, I think about it, and, like, if ever I had kids, would I let them play with these American Girl dolls, or would I also be like my mom was and be like, don't... No. Don't bring her outside. Because yeah, you can, don't. like, sort of, like... Like you can cut, give your dolls haircuts. Like there's like take I did their not arms off, cut their hair. No, but you cut. You must have cut dolls' hair. Oh, I feel yeah. like you were in. Oh, actually, I had one of those Barbies that was just the head. Mm-hmm. 
that was like a big head and her I went like crazy on and then I was so into that that my mom actually got me at some point like an actual mannequin head from a hair salon and so you could just play hairdresser that was my favorite game as a child uh, but then back to the magazine. So you made this collage out of like, and there were featured, like, did you see these yes. celebrities as dolls with their different air, hair? I think it was essentially like, it was essentially like I recreated US Weekly, but with child's writing. Like it okay. was, I what, didn't do anything that crazy or original with What it. was the copy? Like, what did you, you're like, um, probably like some, like, like yay or nay this outfit like do we like thumbs up or thumbs down that's pretty good and like a lot of just like the things that were in the my mom's gossip magazines and and then there was like I got in trouble because I was pretty choosy about who could do these magazines with me oh I used to be like that too as a child very yeah and a bossy yeah I was like kind of kind of a cult leader a little bit I think because there's like a few phases I went through of like and kind of having people like try out for me and like it makes me cringe because I was probably really mean but magazine editors are like notoriously very choosy it is a very cutthroat field like you were preparing them for reality especially like it's even worse now yeah, I was the Anna Wintour of our after-school care, I guess. <laughs> always in the after-school programs? Yes. Oh, my goodness. And then they did because, like, I would always grab, like, um, huge amounts of paper because I would, like, fold it over and I would make the magazine, like, you know, in book format, like, not one page at a time. Like, it had to already look like a magazine. Yeah. And then um, and then Papergate happened and I wasn't allowed Papergate. to. Papergate. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to use any You were using too much paper. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's always so disappointing as a child where you're sort of, like, you just have the salad days of, like, whatever materials or something, like, you know, you're playing in some hidden, like, hideout in the back with, like, piles of bricks and then the adults are like, oh. no, 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 that's not allowed anymore. Yeah. Very disappointing. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. So, so do you have any copies of these magazines that we could maybe sell as merch or? I wish I gave them to an author. I gave them to a very accomplished author. <laughs> <laughs> I went to when I was, like, in, like, around this time. This is also probably, like, the beginning of the end of Canadian Girl magazine. Um, I got, like, chosen by my teachers to go to, like, this, this like, conference, this, like, day-long workshop called the Young Authors and Illustrators Conference. Oh, I conference. went to that, too, in you Ottawa? Did? Yeah. Yeah. At, and like, St. Paul's University? I did go to that, like, 10 or more, like, a million years before you did. Yeah, and then they had no all way. these, like, authors come in, and they encouraged you to, like... Yes. Like, writing takes a really long time, and then they had a lot of picture books, and... Yeah. I met Phoebe Gilmerin, the author of Jillian Jiggs, there. I... I met um, Maxine Trottier. Okay. She wrote, there's like another book series that I was really into called like, I think Girls of Canada. It was also like historical oh, fiction. I was really into history mentor, as a kid. Mentor. I know. And I'm so mad because I like, I still remember some of the things she said in her lecture. She talked about how like for her, it's really important that there's always like a dragonfly hidden in the illustrations. Oh, yeah. And I like gave and then at the end I went up and I was like, I want you to have all my magazines. Oh, and I always think like, (laughs) oh, like what did she she probably just threw them out or like, I'm (laughs) so sad. (laughs) We should send her the podcast. I know we should. I just remember giving Maxine Trotsky my magazine and thinking like, 
okay, like my whole future is now in her hands. (laughs) (laughs) Such a lovely offering. Yeah, more on your childhood. So I know a little bit about your childhood from your stories and you've been in my house for like 10 minutes. So we're best friends. But what I know is that your parents got divorced when you were only four and then you were an only child at the time, right? Yeah, they were never married, actually. So they split when I was like three or four and my mom remarried my stepdad eventually and my dad is just... I don't think he'll, he's not a marrying person. Okay. He did get married. Yeah. Okay. He's with somebody, but yeah. But then we're, so you're, are you still an only child? I'm still an only child. Well, my dad has a a dog that is also his child. Okay. And he gets, the dog has got some issues. And so when the dog barks at me, my dad always goes like, stop it. That's my first baby. Oh, it's Finny. I know this dog. It's a special, yeah. Sweet boy. Yeah, he's very sweet and fragile. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, but you're the first child, so you take priority. Okay. (laughs) But then, like, how do you think being an only child affected your life? I love this topic. That's so funny because I was talking to my one of my best friends the other day who's also an only child, and, like, we don't really get it when people say to us like, oh, that's such an only child thing. Mm. And we don't realize we're doing only children things. <laughs> I think like one thing I've noticed that is probably an only child thing is like I hate when like my partner will just like take something off my plate or just like take a bite of what I'm eating. I'm like, this is you're wild. Like what's wrong with you? Oh. Why? How could you do that without asking? Like <laughs> you could just ask me. Oh, or just like moving things. Did he have like, did he eat at a trough or something? Or maybe that was a rude thing to say. But like, <laughs> like he and like seven kids. He was like, I need this. <laughs> he one time, it was like we were dating for like three weeks. He came into my house. He took a carton of milk from the fridge and drank from the carton. And I was like, this, I don't know if I can be with you. Well, no, that's not, I am still with him. But that was to me like one of the craziest things I've ever seen somebody do. Drinking milk. Oh, I don't drink milk, but ugh. I guess I'm like a bit anal in your bubble maybe like it's like this is I'm this like, is me not is used to like having to cooperate on figuring out a way to do things mm-hmm. so I'm just like I I could just decide I always just decided how I wanted to do things like that's interesting though because I have only I have a disproportionate number of only child friends in my circle and I find a lot of them are a bit reserved and like not not confident and not like mm. a lot of them are sort of what's the word when people like not like pe- avoidant complacent they're they they a bit people pleasing but they would they would just sort of comply they would want to go with whatever the other person wants to do like non-confrontational huh. is the word I was looking for and they're just they would just go along with it I don't know if that maybe really? there's a di- maybe it depends on their parents dynamics like it might be different if you have your two parents separate yeah. or if your two parents are like there all the time yeah maybe maybe it's different if you have like two parents you were, you know, it was like a triangle, but for me, it was always like, if I was with my dad, it was just one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And then if I was with my mom, like there was my stepdad too, but like mostly one, one-on-one. And you're just like, what do I get this time? I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely not non-confrontational. <laughs> That's not, that does not describe me at all. Not on the list. Okay. I wonder though, I think... What's weird, though, is that I I feel like I'm pretty good at sharing. I like being 
generous and cooperative like I remember in when I was like in my first year in college like I was one of the only people that had a job because I was the only person in my group of friends that spoke French and I like wanted to pay my friends tickets to go places right because like you know I had a job and so I wanted us all to like be able to have the same fun right yeah so fun loving just like but I get like, you know, it's like we're going to a restaurant and you're like, I want to go to this one kind of thing. Yeah, you're I would be like, boss. you guys can go to the one you want. I'm going to go to this one. Right. Actually, I am very much like that. When I travel with friends, I always tell them like, by the way, like I might just decide I don't want to do what you want to do and I need you to be OK with that. And I'm just going to go do my thing alone. But that's the way to travel with people because otherwise there will be yeah. resentment. But traveling with people, that is that sports um, but yeah, so you're an only child and then like, I guess we're talking about your personality, so we'll keep talking about it, but you come across as a very like effervescent, fun loving person and yeah, like it sounds like just, I know in a story you said your mother, your mother struggled with bipolar disorder. It sounds like in that she was like very fun and creative, yeah. uh, but also there's like you know, some challenges to having bipolar disorder, I heard. Yes. Um, and, but then your gram, your grandma, grandmama? My grandmama. Grandmama, my okay. Side. Uh, yeah. She sounds like she was a real gem. Uh, she's, she's like, in the story I've told, she's, she's this character. And I think it's also funny because I don't know who I was talking about this with, but I was like, I was never actually really scared of her. I always, like, she's the first person I ever, like, did an impersonation of. Yeah. I feel like she's, like, the beginning of me being funny. But she was actually really mean and scary. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. She did not like me. Okay, right. Because she was, like, she lived with your mom? She didn't live with my mom, but they, we spent a lot of time there. Yeah. And I would spend summers at her house sometimes for, like, a month alone. Oh boy. Okay. So then you learn some skills that maybe make you the way you are now. Yes. In terms of choosing restaurants and traveling. But like, <laughs> like what? Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask is like, was there something about your childhood that led you to pursue the arts? And like, did you, like, do you have thoughts on where you got your sense of humor and your like creative drive? Mm. Oh, for sure, actually. And it definitely relates to my grandma. Is like she was, like I said, really mean and scary and not <laughs> fun. And I would just like go off. She had this huge house and this huge property. And I would every summer kind of find like a new toy. And by toy, I mean like it wasn't an actual toy. It was right. just like I'd find something and that would be my obsession for the summer. And so like one summer it was a tape recorder. And I spent oh. the whole summer like doing a radio show for myself oh like us yeah doing <laughs> like us and then I would do I would always write because like I'd be really excited for my dad to come pick me up at the end of the summer and so I would always prepare a play or a musical or some kind of performance oh. like for when he came and got me with like and did you perform it by yourself or did you have friends I performed it mostly by myself sometimes I like brought my cousin into it okay she she's like a people pleaser <laughs> And also an only child. Oh, she is an only child. Yes. And she she would just kind of like do whatever I said to to do. (laughs) Like you get to be a tree today. Like in this. 
And sometimes like sometimes she would have to be the lead because I had other jobs like directing, costume, stage manager. Yeah, stage manager. But so she would sometimes like be the lead, but she wouldn't remember all her lines. And so I'd be like whispering the lines. <laughs> all to her. the jobs. Yeah. Like the producer. And I would play like multiple characters. She'd play one person. I'm thinking of one musical in particular called um, Le Pays de Mon Imagination. Okay. And she was like her character was like a girl who like daydreams all the time and then her daydreams come to life and those were all me so I was like a fairy I was also I think like a lion I think I was like three other characters make the appearance okay so she yeah so she was like the straight man that I would play the versatile like yeah 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 and you're like nine or yeah like eight nine ten and it's like basically part of it is just like grandmama's house is kind of terrible I'm gonna I'm gonna make a play instead yeah I'm gonna like have fun and just like get you know I need I had no choice but like to figure out how to enjoy time alone right (laughs) and so I just started making stuff oh that's so fun humor is a big part of your stories and like it sounds like you made the most of difficult situations. Yeah. But yeah, you seem like you just seem like very, very hilarious, upbeat person. But is that is that is that natural for you or do you have to work at that? Like, I think it is natural for me. But like, I do think that a lot of I mean, this is kind of me like nerding out about humor now. But I do think it's true what they say that like humor is tragedy plus time or like humor always like there's always something sad that happens in order for something funny to happen basically and I think that that's a lot of where my humor comes from there's like one like moment in particular that comes to mind that I think like this just perfectly describes my humor and so uh there was one summer where I was like I had fallen in love I had taken a lover and I had also planned a trip to Europe by myself because I think I was finishing my undergrad and everyone when they finish their undergrad just like goes to Europe. That's just like a thing everyone seems to be doing. Oh, it, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, OK, I guess I'm like going to do that and like go and then like come back like a totally new person. Oh, yeah. That always goes well. Yeah. And my lover was also spending time in Italy. He was like going on like some learn Italian program. And so I was like, OK, I'll just like add Italy to my trip and like it was supposed to be a solo backpacking trip but as I like started seeing him more and more became like okay I'm just gonna like follow this man around Europe a solo situation yeah and also like we would have sex and then I would I there was like always something that felt really off afterwards oh no and I remember telling him like I think I just like have trust issues and you were like 21 or 20 yeah and I was 21 okay I I think I have trust issues or like I don't know like something in my body like I don't know if I used the word trauma but I think I was thinking like there must be some like trauma coming out here it's not you it's totally me this is totally me there's just like something weird's going on but like I still want to follow you around Europe and then (laughs) and then like three days before I'm supposed to fly out I like go and visit my parents because I think I truly thought like I'm never gonna be the same again after this Europe trip like you guys need to see me one last time before I go away and like I'm a changed woman and essentially they're like supposed to bring me back to Montreal so I can fly to Europe to meet my lover who's already there in Italy 
And then I just had like really bad pain. And I th- at first I spent a week thinking this pain was like, oh, I'm really nervous about this trip. And like, I'm in love and like, whatever. I thought it was all psychological. And I made them take me to the hospital. And it turns out I had really bad chlamydia. Oh, no. <laughs> it was really bad chlamydia. But I remember I was like, dr- spent a week drugged up from this really 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 bad chlamydia like oh no it was like second stage chlamydia. i've never had chlamydia but i hear it's not a blast i mean if you just have normal chlamydia it's not the worst thing in the world but i had like it like led to a whole other infection okay. called a different thing like oh, I was, it wasn't even chlamydia anymore okay. that's how bad it it's was like the clap plus 10 yeah it was like it was pretty bad it was very painful and i spent the week like on just so much morphine and obviously like I missed my flight I'm not going on this Europe trip anymore oh, no and my best friend came over who I don't know if she lived in Ottawa at the time or was just happened to be visiting her parents in Ottawa and I remember asking her I was like find weed in your house just like bring me some weed find me something and oh, she no. brought over weed she had hidden since high school oh no she had hidden it in like a perfumed bag she didn't want her parents to smell it and I just remember the weed smelled like roses like it was like potpourri but really bad and gross right and we ended up I like tell her the whole story and she's like wait a second you thought you had trust issues but you just had chlamydia <laughs> And that's, I think, yeah, that is quintessentially, I think, where my humor comes from. Right. Moments like that. Right. Yeah. But, like, during those times, like, because looking back, it's very funny and it's been a few years. But, like, during those times, are you, like, bereft and distraught? Like, how how are you in a crisis? I mean, that's a bit personal, Ugh. but. I mean. Like, can you have humor? Like, can humor and creativity sort of help you ride through, like, real bad, real yes. bad chaos? Yes. I think there's always going to be, and I've definitely had like crises. <laughs> like there's a reason I've been with my therapist for like almost 10 years at this point. 10 years. That's a long-term relationship. Yes, it is. It's been a very, we have very, I have very secure attachment to her. Yeah. Um, It's great. She can Healing. call me on my bullshit. Like I love her so much. Oh. <laughs> um, She's like not allowed to have another baby because she went on mat leave once and it like broke me. Oh no. Oh yeah. I had a hard time. Rough. My therapist went on vacation. I almost broke up with her after. I was oh. like, that, you shouldn't have done that. No. How dare she <laughs> enjoy her free time? <laughs> yeah. But there's always moments. There's, I think even in moments of crises, I feel like there's always a moment where I will end up like having some kind of laugh, even if it's like a hysterically laughing crying laugh right and this is an argument maybe not an argument but this is a thing that I've actually I feel like my therapist has called me out for is like I'll laugh in something in therapy and she's like do you feel like you have to laugh at this (laughs) and like she will really call me out on my she'll like wonder if I'm being performative or if I'm like what it does for me and I will argue with her Till the sun comes up that like, no, I actually think it's really healthy to find moments of laughter in these things. As long as you're like, okay, no, I, I am also sad. Yeah. You're cognizant of the thing making you sad. But I think it's also really healthy to like also laugh at the absurdity of situations sometimes. I think so. I, yeah, I get the humor as a coping mechanism. I've definitely be call- been called on that a few times, you know, after death or a house fire, that sort of mm. thing. But then... Like, do you consider yourself an actor because, like, you perform, but you perform kind of 
true stories and yeah. we, we do kind of play a little bit with the truth as storytellers like pretend I didn't say that but that's tr- like you know yeah. we frame things in a certain way to make them more interesting for people but yeah do you would you say you're an actor like no. okay I mean I did I did go to a high school that was like a performing arts school was it Canterbury? I went to Canterbury yeah. oh, are you, you from Ottawa the, no Perth Ontario I just oh, know all so about know all Canterbury. the Ottawa things yeah so yeah I went to Canterbury it was like they we all had like the attitudes of like starving artists but we were really like 15 and lived with our parents yes. and I really I think I really wanted to be but I realized that actually I really just liked attention and <laughs> I didn't really want to be other people right like I wanted to get attention for being myself and just oh, that's like fair I remember I remember getting so annoyed also I think because I when I finished high school originally I came here for theater school like an undergrad in theater and then I left that pretty quickly but I kind of had this realization one day I was like why am I like bending over backwards to learn some lines that like some white guy wrote some yeah. characters some like version of a woman that he sees when I was like I feel like my stories are just as good if not better your stories are really rad they're excellent like I want to just tell my own stories and that's kind of why I quit training to like be an actor I was never going to be an actor though like it wasn't no you're very charismatic but yeah I can okay that's an interesting trajectory because then you did you did a literature degree Mm -hmm. and then literature degree and then you did this like play and drama yeah I did like you know how when you date someone and then you break up with them and then your next person you date is going to be kind of like the opposite of the yeah, first I person. Yeah, I don't date much, but I can imagine. <laughs> that's that's like kind of what I did with the literature degree is I was like I've done all this theater. I keep like going into classrooms where like we take off our shoes and we sit on the floor and I was like I want to like go to the library and wear turtlenecks and like have these big books and right like actually put stuff in my backpack and so I just did like kind of what I thought was the most like I'm in university now okay and did English literature because I also did like to read like I liked plays I like stories and it was really like I think it was just really enjoyable for me to do English literature didn't really feel for sure writing essays felt like school but I just enjoyed reading so much that yeah it was just a treat it was just like a a treat and then when I finished that I had this amazing professor who taught this course it was like a one-off and it was it was life-changing for me it was the theory of humor oh okay you love humor then and we love I love humor so I loved this class and then and then right around that time is when I also got into confabulation I had like sworn that I was like never gonna get on stage again like now I'm just a book girl I'm a library person I'm an introvert and then I went to one confabulation show and I was like never mind yeah you went and then you were like oh I need to do this absolutely okay yeah it just kind of like this whole persona I curated which I wore it well but then I walked into a confab show and I was like ugh, I don't need that no here I come Yeah. yeah and you got right in there But I want to talk about your Fringe show. So, God, tr- yeah. I mean, try not to spoil it, but what what is it about? So the Fringe show is about, essentially, Carol and I are both just, just little Looney Tunes. <laughs> we're both, we're both very kooky. 
and we've had eccentric a, yes eccentric that's i cleaned sure. carol's house so yeah so we're both just kind of like wacky people and then we realized too getting to know each other and thinking about like what are we going to make this show about we realized we've, we kind of have been on opposite trajectories whereas like so she started out her first real job was as a, a psychiatric nurse oh i remember this yeah and, that's so interesting yeah and then she had this moment one day she had this moment where she was just like i need to go do artsy things and like go be in touch with that part of myself and I kind of, well, I wouldn't say I did fully the opposite, but I definitely was more focused on doing artsy things and then figured out a way of making that an actual kind of job. Playing with the kids and running Playing, around and yeah. being Peter Pan or whatever they want you to be. Exactly. I mean, and my as my therapist pointed out to me the other day, because I, I did tell her, I was like, what? Sometimes my job doesn't feel like a job because I'm just like pretending to be a dog. And she was like, yeah, but you still have to do like notes and I still have to think about how it's affecting the kids. Like there's still a kind of clinical role to it. Honestly, Francesca, for me playing, pretending I was a dog with a, like on the floor with kids, that is a big job for me. That that counts as a job. I do not want to do that. And you Ugh. do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a job. It's just you're lucky you like it. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I mean, it depends on the kids. Yeah, but there's little fuckers out there. There are. Sorry, I got off track. Oh, no, that's great. But yeah, so you're talking, so Carol went yeah. from serious job to the arts. You are sort of... Arts to kind of serious job. That you still don't feel is that serious, but it's yeah. serious. And yeah, so you guys are like weaving each other's stories together or something like this? Yeah, so we're telling we're telling stories that kind of parallel each other. There's a lot of similarities that we've live through in our lives but it's mostly like the show is about feeling like we have two lives because there's a part of us that always has to be like feet are on the ground and like looking both ways before you cross the street and like carol has an adult son who used to be like a baby son and so obviously she had to be like a present functional person for that ideally ideally. (laughs) not everybody but at the same time like we both also like believe in ghosts and witchcraft and like yeah I told her I went through like a witchcraft phase and she was like I'm also a witch I could see that coming from Carol yeah yes okay so those are our two lives like our 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 real life of like we pay taxes and like whatever and then like our real real life where like we talk to animals and right yeah okay the parts you don't well you might see a little bit you and carol i do feel you're both kind of revealing people like when i meet you i could yeah all of this is i could see all of what you've just described but i guess i wanted to talk about so carol is in her golden years Mm -hmm. and you are not 22 but you're not very old uh carol's not for she's very young she's very spunky but how has this like intergenerational element like how does it work into like both the rehearsals and also the writing and the actual show I mean I think it's really cool I've always I think this is an only child thing is I get along with people that are like a lot older than me and I'm very comfortable always being with people that are not my age okay that makes sense just because like as an only child you hang out with your your parents friends right (laughs) I'd be like the eight-year-old at the like adult party and like have to make conversation (laughs) so it's pretty natural for me I think Mm -hmm. I I also just like 
Carol has lived so much. Like anything she has to say is interesting. And I feel like every time we're together, she'll like kind of mention something in passing. That's something I like have never heard of before. Like the other day we're talking and she's like, oh yeah, it was like that. Like when I moved back from Africa and I was like, Carol, I didn't even know you lived right in Africa. Like she's had like 17 lives. She's really. like, I didn't tell you I was like engaged to this man <laughs> in Africa. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I remember she had a story about monkeys, but maybe that was in Thailand. Maybe she also lived in Thailand. Yeah. I She's think, traveled a lot. Yeah. She has lots of history. And yes. then you're interested in that. And so you probably like talking to each other. She probably likes talking to you, too. She's yeah. probably she's probably delighted. You guys are both like treasures of the storytelling community. This is a very good pairing. I'm very excited. Yeah, I love for her this so show. Much. I always tell her, I'm like, Carol, I don't know many 82-year-olds that look that good in a pair of jeans. Oh, you're actually, we're actually saying how old she is. She's 82. Yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever. Okay, let's <laughs> She do looks it. amazing in a pair of jeans. She, she looks like, amazing. Around. I she's... like helped her. I dyed her hair once, actually. You dyed her hair? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she needed help. I hennaed her hair. <gasps> Anyways, yeah, but uh, yeah, she's hip and and she bikes. Yeah, so that that is amazing. I so at two lives. What's your venue? Au Patrovis on Mahoyal. I've never been to it. I've okay. never heard of it, but I think it's owned by the same people that own and run Billy Coon. Okay, or they just use the same font. So Mahoyal <laughs> and what is the cross street? I think Saint Denis. Okay, so it's like the heart of the plateau. Yeah, We're gonna put that in the really, show really notes close to the metro. and all the dates. We open June 9th. So you're June 9th to the weekend after. Yes. There's six chances to see the show. Six chances. You could go six times if you wanted. And the Fringe show, it's just a great way to. Just see what the artists are doing and it's very affordable and it's just like, it's my favorite couple weeks of the year. I love Fringe. So that's really great. Let's talk about your work at the Safe Haven with your little Rugrats. Yeah. Um, so you are working with kids and their moms usually yeah. that are and they work with their moms too. So they okay. they've all experienced like a, a domestic violence situation and come to this safe house and they're there for two months and there's like social workers and a bunch of other resources there to help mm-hmm. them out. And then I am I tell them like I'm not well, I tell the moms. <laughs> I tell them I'm not the logistics person. I'm the feelings person. So oh. we can we can talk about the feelings and make art and do creative things. And but my way into them is usually the kids. Like I feel like kids are usually it's kind of <laughs> this is a horrible comparison, but like like have you noticed how dogs recognize dog people from far away yeah empathy yeah they do know and they'll just like run to someone who's a dog person like kids are like that with me and they just know I'm a kid person yeah come to me so I usually will gain the parents trust by first having establishing like a relationship with their kid and then I'll, I'll explain to the parent like okay I do play therapy this is what this is and like this is what I would need from you and you and I can meet every as often as you want to also talk about like concerns you have about your kid and like if you want to learn some new ways of dealing with situations having to do with your kids I will gladly help you Mm -hmm. and mostly I just am reassuring them because they're all really great moms Mm -hmm. so mostly I'm just always like they made it there they made it to the haven yeah and they're like 
yeah they're really amazing <laughs> and do you do like play therapy with them like are you making blocks or something like with the, mo- with, kids? With the moms with the moms uh <laughs> with the moms I do mostly just like we, we'll talk about their kid I'll yeah. tell them some some techniques and then like mostly just like reflect your kid's feelings or like or they'll tell me like about a situation that happened and I'll tell them why all those things were amazing and how it probably benefits your kid and then I do a lot of just like free art time oh okay just like an art kind of an art hive I'll just bring a bunch of coloring stuff mm-hmm. into a space and then moms and kids will come and I'm hoping to start a group with the moms where we talk about like how our negative experiences impact us in the long run and how mm-hmm. they impact our kids and like live in our bodies so that's kind of like a program I'm working on building right now is like wow. teaching them how what happens to our bodies and like how it stays in it and how we can like let go of it. Oh, honestly, I think I can just see you glowing there with the kids and the moms. Like they're very lucky to have you. But then did you did you learn anything about abusive relationships? Because like now, you know, on Instagram, like narcissism, abuse yeah. is so many. It's such a buzzword. Like there's all these lists of what to do, when to leave and all that stuff. But like, did you have you gained any kind of insight from actually being on the ground with the clients yeah I mean okay so I'm not like I said I'm not the logistics person so there's people around that are like helping the parents find lawyers and like deal with custody issues and Mm -hmm. sometimes making police reports and stuff like that I try not to like familiarize myself with the details of people's situations because I don't want to make any like assumptions and I even though I can read what happened and can read their file I just prefer that they tell me oh that's smart when they feel safe enough to tell me Mm -hmm. I think one thing that really surprised me is like a lot of it's really likely for women of young children to not leave a situation because they they don't want their young child to be like without a parent or like Mm -hmm. they're like how am I gonna work and have these kids and also like we're this is what a family looks like and we're supposed to just make it Mm -hmm. work like this um and so a lot of them when they first come they're like yeah it took me a really long time to realize like what I was in Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean I guess I guess I learned that it's also not too late to like get yourself out of a bad situation too yeah like people because usually it is it does take longer than yeah you want it like usually there are a few stages of getting out right and apparently someone will seek like advice or reach out to resources like seven to ten times before they leave their abusive partner right it's like one statistic that they that they share a lot right and what is like what are the statistics for like well, what do I want to say? Jail time. Like, like oh, really low. It's really okay. bad. Because there's no... Oh, yeah. This is also something I've learned. I, I now know, like, not a lot about the law, but more than I used to know about the right. law. Because we're familiar. We have to, like, learn the laws that kind of, like, will apply to our cases or mm-hmm. a little bit. And there's no law against, like, domestic violence. Like, you have to really have, like, intended to hurt someone and of course like abusive partners are not like 
they won't say, yeah, I really intended to hurt yeah. her. I threw a bucket. Yeah. I threw a plant at her and exactly. just for fun. It's Ex- play therapy. Yeah, we're just playing. It's just a joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's like not, there's not a lot of, there's there's no laws against doing that. Really? really so up. dudes can just, I mean, not, I don't want to say it's only dudes, but like spouses can just... Like, okay, this is not to get like, but like, let's just say I like knocked the table over and you were like squished under your table right now. And if you called the police on me, I was like, and I said it was an accident. Like, I probably wouldn't get charged. Even if I said to you like, Erica, I'm going to like squish you under this table right now. So then, right. So it's just like, they can be super, like, even if, what about assault? Like, what about hitting and stuff? I think it's the same with that. As long as you're like, I didn't really intend to harm her just wrestling so then it, that's why that's why it's so dangerous because it escalates to like yeah. murder like fairly quickly because we've had a lot of femicides yeah. lately right? we have and there's one recently that the guy ended up being charged only with manslaughter because he said he like didn't intend to kill her oh dear just really messed up right even though it probably had it escalated with violence yeah. and other incidents yeah it's really messed up. See, I feel, and I feel like, but knowing these details, I don't think helps me in my job. Right. I like have to sense. know because I have to be aware of what people have experienced and what abuse looks like. Because also, you know, a lot of women are like second guessing when they're there sometimes. And we have to kind of remind them like, no, you got yourself out of this really bad situation. Like he's probably spent some time gaslighting you. Don't, uh, yeah. don't like stay there. But, um, yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard to like know all of these details. It kind of makes it hard to see these people as like living, breathing human beings in front of me. Oh, I see that. See the the victims, yeah. right? You would more label them as like, well, victims, right? Instead yeah. of to see the whole person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you keep that on the back burner, and then you're like, yeah, here are my pastels and <laughs> here are my pastels. I mean, and it's not that I keep it on the back burner. It's just that it's other people's roles. Yeah. To get them the resources they need for that. Mm-hmm. But when they're coming to me like, you know, I always thought I was a horrible mom because he said I was a horrible mom. Like, that's where I can come yeah. in and be like, no, this is what you do. That's amazing. These are some other things you can do to keep being amazing. And also like kids, kids also live this stuff totally differently and like Mm -hmm. they don't express it in the same way that adults do like Mm -hmm. I said earlier like they'll just they want to like that they'll need to like get out some aggression but it won't be in the same way that like an Mm -hmm. adult needs to and I more embodied and yeah and I find it's easier for me to like digest that and to witness that I think Mm mm-hmm than sitting and like talking there's a reason I didn't want to be like a talk one-on-one therapist yeah yeah get something yeah you have something concrete to do but yeah then you have the knowledge because I guess like almost everybody in an abusive relationship blames themselves right and they would like second guess themselves and think oh it's my fault or like yeah yeah so yeah or like you know he he had a right to like the baby was crying nonstop. Like things, like, uh, yeah, because they always play up. their story. That is messed up, but um, yeah, but yeah, it sounds like your role really suits you. So I'm excited to see this progress. Do you have a favorite age of kids? Definitely under ten. Okay. Once kids hit puberty, they start to terrify me. Okay. 
just because I know I was particularly hard to handle as a teenager. <laughs> too triggering. <laughs> and I just like, I would not want to hang out with teenage me. So I wouldn't want to hang out with teenage anyone. <laughs> so 10 and under. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we're going to, we have some questions, riveting questions about routines because I love routines, but let's, we'll wrap up with that and let's, let's skip to our listener question. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. So dear Erica and Francesca, I am really terrible at online dating. I'm a 31 year old straight woman and I've been single for six years and I have maxed out on trying to meet people in real life. I'm on all the apps, but it's rare that I get past the what's up, how was your weekend phase. When I do swing a coffee date, I find that dudes have zero personality. And even when I ask them more interesting questions, they aren't really that open to sharing and it's not fun. My friends say my profile is charming and my pictures are hot. They say I'm charming, but why are the dudes so boring? Is it realistic to find a quality person online? Am I doomed to be single forever? Love swiped out. Okay. Swiped out. Boy, did you come to the right place. That's what I thought. Let me tell you. Francesca's really good at dating. Like, you said that you can't get past the, like, how was your weekend? Like, stage, like, here's my advice. Like, skip that stage. Don't even go to that stage. (laughs) Don't do small talk. Right. I, I don't do small talk. I like when I match with someone, I ask them something. I like to catch them off guard. I'll be like, like, tell me true truths and a lie. Or like, tell me like, when's the last time you cried? <laughs> oh, that one's good. Have dudes cried? Um, My boyfriend's definitely cried. Right. <laughs> um, I can't remember what people have said. So here, but like, here's the thing is guys won't always answer but that's how you you weed them sift out. through right. like I think you need to be on the apps you're most 150 percent yourself like almost right. almost like a little bit of a cartoonish version of yourself right like you know there's that expression that's like if you don't love me at my worst you don't deserve me at my mm-hmm. be- whatever that stupid right. thing just like come at it at your worst <laughs> right don't put your best foot forward oh yeah. your best face forward that's good don't. advice don't just like just so- also like guys are so desperate mm. you will find someone that's <laughs> like a really big down. catch but <laughs> this like swiped out is charming yeah swiped out is charming well that's what it says here and it said swiped out is charming yeah her yeah, pictures yeah. are hot the- are they too hot are you intimidating? Oh, yeah, maybe. Make sure you have some that show that you're like your fun side or yeah, your adventurous like have side. Have a goofy, 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 goofy side. one. Like have one where your hair doesn't look like perfect. Yeah. You don't want to be too made up. It can't all be selfies. Like one or two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's all selfies. And you're like, why are you taking so many photos of yourself? That's like all I have. But uh, yeah, okay. Like, have some with friends. Mm-hmm. Like at least one or two. One or two. Okay. But make sure it's clear which one you are. But yeah, just be like truly let your freak flag fly. Don't be afraid of coming across as a weirdo. Don't. Yeah. Like don't. 
Okay. Don't. It doesn't matter. Guys are weirdos. Guys mm-hmm. are so gross. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good point. But like, what about the point of them being boring? Like, because it's not what's really not fun is that I've had experience with this was that I am a weirdo. But people are like, oh, I'm into this. Like, she's so I've never like she's so quirky. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been on these dates and guys are like, I've never met anybody like you. And I'm like, the last like seven guys have said this and it's like, it is boring, you know, like where's their charm and personality? Like, yeah, I guess like, how did you, cause yeah, Francesca is legendary at dating among her many talents, but it's like, it feels like you're just like out of a relationship and you're like, okay, I have a midnight bumble date. Bye. (laughs) And I I don't know if that was necessarily like healthy, but cause I did. Yeah. After my last relationship went straight into the apps but then I took a break. Yeah. I like I went straight into the apps just so that when I was ready to be sad about my breakup, I would be able to remember that like I can very easily catch a dick. Like okay, because I knew the sad was coming, but I was like, I just I need to like kind of store up some sexy memories. Okay, for when I'm sad. And do you have sex after? I mean, you don't have to talk about this, but like, do you have you gotten sex from online dating? Like. Yes. Okay. Every, I think everybody has. I don't find it like a sexy place myself. Like I, I just find that it, it stops before that because I, I feel like I'm, I'm well, I like think, swiped out. I think it depends. Like when I got sex from online dating was when I was specifically looking for right. Sex. When okay. I was like, I need to have some sexy memories so that when I'm sad about this breakup, I don't like stop dating forever. Your I last to, like, great mediocre to great fuck was not your yes. dude who was. And yeah. just so that when I'm sad, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I'll be alone forever. Because I'll be like, no, I like fucked Puya last week. So, yeah, I think swiped out. I, I think also taking breaks is important. Like, yes. I think like what I've done with online dating is I will open a profile and then I will be like, OK, minimum one week and then stop after six weeks. And I'll put a note in my phone that's like you get oh. to take a break. Like, I think maybe I made myself do more than one week, but it's like do two weeks and then like, hey, Erica, you're allowed to stop online Mm -hmm. dating. And then like four weeks later, pause your profile just to like. Also, and I I don't know if this is necessarily good advice, but it's it worked really well for me is sometimes let your friends pick the dates, but don't don't let your friends talk as you. Okay, but swipe they love that oh my gosh my friends love swiping for me my sister also tell them what you really want though don't let them just be like oh my god this guy like shrimp like yeah don't let them just pick whatever Mm -hmm. be really specific with them this is what you want and like tell them like I want like find someone you think would be good for me Mm -hmm. and it might not be the person that's your first choice but your best friends know what's what's good for you <laughs> yeah it's true and then how did you meet your guy now I met him on the ass this is my best friend swiped right on him uh, oh for my me. gosh okay after yeah. so you'd had this sort of like compulsive or like post breakup sort of dating yeah. binge then you took a break and then then I took went- a break then I visited my best friend in Vancouver and my best friend picked all my dates I didn't let her talk as me okay but she would tell me like you're gonna go on like three dates this week Three dates in one week. Wow. Yeah, I almost canceled on my boyfriend. He was the last date. Okay. And I was... Oh, three different dates. Three okay. different <clears throat> dates. I was, like, exhausted. No, they're so tiring. You got to, like, figure out your hair and your outfit. Like, do I even have three outfits that I really stand behind? Oh, that's the other thing. Pick, I pick... If it's different guys, pick one, one outfit. outfit. Oh, that's good advice, too. And I always... My goal when I go on a date is not to... 
like yeah it's to like have a good time and like be myself whatever but it's also just to like get something for free oh okay whether it's like a drink <laughs> or and like the more things like the the worse the date the more things i want for free. like this is really boring can we get wings now yeah or like <laughs> i had a guy he made oh, me a really nice dinner like an amazing inspirational. dinner okay and then he kept saying throughout the date and he, he was actually like really nice what really turned me off is that he kept saying like how do you feel about our age difference? And oh, he was, no. He was only like five, six years older than oh, me. Oh, my God. That's like, not even a thing. I know. I was like, how do you feel about our age difference? Something. Like, it was just weird. And then at the end, he asked me to kiss him. And I was like, no. And I was like, but can you still drive me home? And he <laughs> drove me home. And we sat in silence. Like, I had rejected him. But I was like, you're still going to drive me home. <laughs> that is really beautiful. And then your boyfriend was the next guy? And then my boyfriend was the next guy. Okay, three first dates in one week. And then that's that. I mean, you live with him with like 17 yeah. cats now, right? We have two, yeah, two cats and a dog and a bunch of fish and yeah. shrimps. <laughs> Are those pets? Well, they live in, in the fish tank okay okay right they yeah. live okay yeah that's great yeah so be a weirdo and don't yeah don't be afraid of being yourself not everyone is boring I guess you just have to take Francesca's word for it yeah and you can also call them out on it like I like to take control of the conversation if they're going in a boring way mm-hmm. as an only child <laughs> yeah there was someone once was like like I think a classic questions like what do you do and this is how I do that in a date I don't do like what do you do I say Tell me something you say at work that only your colleagues will understand and I will guess what your job is. Oh, that's fun. So I'll do things like that instead of like just have a game, make a game. Yeah. I mean, one question, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm sure you can Google like first date questions. Like, I don't know, Elizabeth Gilbert would be like, so what are you excited about right now? But that could be loaded, loaded, because what if you're not excited about anything and especially not this date? Uh, My friend was like her, an ex-boyfriend, and asked her, what is your who's your best friend that can lead to something oh, that's cute yeah and who's your best friend? like change the dynamics or like like what's something you like but you'd be embarrassed if everyone knew you liked it yeah right or like do you have any like words that you picked up or expressions you picked up from like your friends or a previous partner like what I don't know my friend Caroline she's always like I was like do you want to go out she's like oh I don't think youth and vigor will prevail and so it's just <laughs> like sorry can't do this youth and vigor is not prevailing Little things like that. I I actually have something. I am, again, like swiped out. I am terrible at online dating. And I have a project that I'm doing, but it's slow. It's slow to start. But I'm actually... (laughs) I'm asking dudes if they want to be on the my first date podcast. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's hi, great. Hi, I have a podcast. Do you, I thought I would. Just, I just want to record um, first dates. Do you want to be on it? And it's sort of it's good because I am a bit of an exhibitionist, and if somebody's not into that, it's not going to work. Like, like if you have erectile dysfunction, I'm not going to put that on the <laughs> podcast unless you want it to be. Well, I just don't think that dudes can handle that. Do you? I mean. Maybe you'll have some guy who's really confident. And like, you can talk to the talk about. all about this. But, you know, I'm not going to put, like, really personal details on right. the blog or whatever. But, like, I'm not a super private person. And if you are a very private person, I don't think you're it's the right person for me. And also, it just sort of... I like to... Yeah, I like to get something out of the date. Like, whether it's dinner, like, something. Because it, it just often seems like it, when it goes not well, it can... For me, it can be a little bit traumatic. Like, I hate it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be alone forever. Take something from his car. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to get something out of it. It's like, at least we have this footage, right? At least we yeah. can make an art project out of it. Something like this. But... 
Yeah, I would just like truly take something from his car. I wonder what I could take. Do you, I don't often go in their cars either. Or like, like what? I don't know. Just, just something. Like their wallet. <laughs> I just need to like, I just need to just feel. a hand sanitizer. Like I benefited from this date in some way. Yeah, like even if I'm like, now I have hand sanitizer. Yeah, I think do, swiped out, make sure you do benefit from the date. You, some people, they pair the date with something they like. Like you, you get a treat afterwards or like if you like going for walks, you can make it a walk in the park or something like this. Just like, yeah, you got to get, get rid of the yeah. grind. And I think also be just like be really upfront too, I think. Yeah. Be upfront. Like you don't need to pretend. I hate when like guys are like, oh, I just want something casual. And then you feel pressured to be like, yeah, I also just want something yeah, casual. Yeah, I want somebody who doesn't take themselves so seriously. Like what the hell is that about? They all say that. Like somebody, like someone chill who doesn't take themselves so seriously. And I'm like, well, this is like, you're going to be very disappointed. Yeah. And I will straight up, I think one of the first guys I hooked up with like before my my boyfriend after the breakup he was like looking for casual and I was like I was like yeah I'm I forget what I said I think I was like yeah like for now yes but like for sure in a while once I get over my boyfriend I'm a relationship girly so we can hook up for now but like once I'm in that phase we will stop (laughs) yeah right but I was just really really clear about Mm -hmm. it and I told him I was like and I am like an amazing girlfriend just so you know like yeah not trying to change your mind but I am a really good girlfriend yeah Francesca's a catch in many ways so yeah courage to swipe out yeah take some breaks it helps if you I wonder if swiped out is like a performer at all or an artist because I also will sometimes think of this as like i'm just like trying out material right okay (laughs) maybe it doesn't help it's like a stand-up comedy sometimes they they do clap their hands like i've had dudes clap (laughs) their hands and i'm like this wasn't what i was trying to like this guy was like oh we're talking about being chill and i was like well i'm not chill because i don't put weed in my pancakes and he just like he opened his mouth i could see like this like big thing of gum coming out of his teeth and then he he clapped his hands and I was like oh that wasn't really what I was going for but okay yeah hang in there swiped out I am not the expert I'm I'm also terrible at online dating but you got some quality advice from like an online dating prodigy over here the other thing too is like they are auditioning for you you're not auditioning for them they're auditioning for you Yeah, and you can just leave too, yeah, right? It's like, leave. you know what? I'm not really feeling this. It's been 10 minutes and it's like, this is your strange and beautiful life. I'm out of here. No, yeah. no big deal. So that was great. Do you have anything else to add for Swiped Out? Um, I don't. I think I gave you all the advice. Okay, yeah. Ten Good out, and bad. 10 out of 10. You're going to be great. It's She's going to be great. So I we're going to wrap up with routines. So can you describe your creative or your writing routine if you have one? Yes, it is procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate (laughs) until like all the ideas for my thing are like literally like gonna burst out of my head and like they really will like I'll be watching tv with my partner and I've let's say I've procrastinated on writing this story for like three weeks and the show is in five days we'll be watching tv and then I'm just like and that's when I found the seashells (laughs) and he's like what are you talking about and I'm like ignore me I'm writing a story in my head and then when that starts happening then I write stuff down and then I hate it and I don't want to look at it and then usually the night before the show I'm like let's get back into this really you do that the night before the show but your stories are so amazing I don't get how people do this I'm a big I'm a big procrastinator and perfectionist okay it's not 
healthy. But you don't start it at all. Like you start from zero when you're like like five days before the show. You got nothing. So I'll sometimes do like bullet points, or okay. I'll write like one. Sometimes it's like I wrote one line that I think is really funny. Right. And then that's it. And then it's like usually by the time I've written the story, the line doesn't even work anymore and I have to cut it. Right. But you have that to cling to. Yes. I guess your stuff happened in real life. Like and you've maybe told parts of the story before in real life, but maybe not. No, it's hard. And then sometimes I I say I'm like researching by just like calling up people that were there and being like, how do you remember this? And well, that counts. Was I a lunatic when this happened? And I like to like look through, just like look through memories of the time. Oh, I one thing I will do most of the time is a playlist of okay. music that I was listening to when this time in my life was that happening. That does bring you back, doesn't it? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, your stories are stellar. We'll link, we'll link to the P- Confabulation podcast you're on in the show notes. Uh, but like everybody loves Francesca's stories. Aww. And so then, but like for the Fringe show, is this is the same thing? You're kind of procrastinating? Well, Fringe is a little different because we're like, we've told each other stories. We have themes. So mm-hmm. I would say for that, I have the, this is the story I'm telling, decided. Mm-hmm. I know what story I'm telling, but I have not finish like a draw I've not added the bells and whistles okay so that's gonna it's gonna be a riveting month for you I think right we're May 1st May 2nd so then yeah do you have fun while you're procrastinating what do you do when you procrastinate I knit and I watch reality tv okay at the same time yes okay so that's like part of your creative routine what reality shows do you watch all of them okay all of 90 day fiance actually no not the tlc's all the bravos okay and then you're knitting you knit sweaters or scarves i i only knit sweaters you knit sweaters sweaters. oh my gosh that's such a talent you can do everything Okay, so that's but that's soothing to know that like Francesca procrastinates and she pulls it off. I mean, I think the issue there is the perfectionism because perfectionism is like very painful and it's like, do you feel stressed out while you're putting it off? You're like, well, I've been through this so many times. I feel stressed, and I think what also doesn't help me is that. I've written something the night before and pulled it off. And so then every time I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to start it and I'm going to finish it a week in advance. So I have this time to edit. And then there's a voice that's like, yeah, but last time you pulled it off after you just Mm. panicked all week and only wrote it the night before. So you could just do that again. Yeah. I always find like I, I always compare my past performances to the, the one that's coming up and I'm like I always feel like it has to be better and I feel like that's like a lot of pressure like I haven't I feel like I haven't really bombed anything yet and I feel like each one like was a bit pretty awkward at the beginning but each one has sort of gotten like incrementally a bit better but I'm like worried about the time where you're just like oh that that didn't go well like I bombed once and it sucked but I think it made my my storytelling better like in the end just like surviving that maybe I should put that on my list Do you have a good routine that I should? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I I guess like, do you have a journal or anything? Would you write in a journal? Not anymore. Okay. I, I keep trying to get back into it. I was a really big journaler for a really long time and then just right. kind of fell off. Well, like my whole life is a routine and like I'll probably get into that in another episode. But like, yeah, I wake up, I do my journal but I'm I'm either doing create like I'm not always writing like I, I used to sort of force myself to write a project every day and then I would just if I wasn't doing a project I would free write 
And I found my worst self is when I feel like I should be writing and I'm not just a very that's a very miserable version of Erica like I don't wish that on Mm. myself or anyone else so I have been like I'm not always writing but I I find that I always need a project like right now I'm really invested in the the podcast Um, but yeah I always do a journal in the morning and then I go for a walk then I might work out or not and like in terms of creative routines like I have I have sort of gotten up and like been like okay you're working this much like when I when I had a job I would do like an hour a day sometimes but not all the time yeah, I find, I guess, like, I guess when I was doing confabulation, when I have a confabulation story, I write it way ahead of time. Like, I won't pitch That's unless it's, I won't pitch unless I have, like, a draft, and then I'll send it, and then I prepare the hell of it out of it, like, like too much. I mean, so I'll do the, they, like, confabulation has a workshop with the, with the producers. Yeah. Like, Francesca was my producer, and she workshopped with me. But I'll do the workshop. I'll listen to everything the person says. I'll take all the feedback and I will. So usually and I'll send them the recordings. And so, no, I'm for confabulation. I am ultra prepared because I'm not very comfortable on stage. I get very nervous and flustered. And I'm just like, I know there's pros and cons to memorizing it, but I memorize the hell out of it. I I mean, I was like practicing with a microphone last time. Like I like I was listening. I was like, 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 no, I, I practice too much, probably. But I find that very grounding. Like I find it super soothing to do. I'm sure you feel very like storytelling. I mean, I still get really nervous, but Mm. I don't like sleep the night before. It's it's astounding. But yeah. And then in terms of like writing like whatever, like essays or whatever, I I have found that lately I like I wrote the the book about my therapist who I fell in love with. Like I wrote that for chunks of an hour a day like months wow I'd have months and I would write an hour a day then I would take months off also but then lately I feel that I do binging like I will just be like then I will just write and that'll be all my all my spare time I'll be really into it like I wrote an essay on the Christmas break and I just like I just that was all my spare time and so I finding that there is more binging lately but I think there is a case for an hour a day also so so you don't have like the perfectionism can you like Got write a sentence or write down a sentence be like oh I think there's like a better word I adjective I want to use but like just keep going no I'm not very good at that so I find that it's like I'm either in a project and I'm not and like Paul and I were talking about this last time he he's really into just like showing up and writing and then leaving it and like having like 8,000 out of 30,000 words viable I need to have hope for what happens like I I'm like if I feel like something is really has no potential then Mm -hmm. I will be crying and just be like oh I'll never write again like very dramatic very sad but I need to sort of at least I don't know I have to feel like it's not forced and I I find like forced sentences are not good sentences for me so I guess like yeah I am I am perfectionistic but it's like I guess there's like a there's a certain energy to it and what's important for me is the voice like if the voice isn't there I just find like I'm trying I don't know I want you want to get the like you want to get the the magic formula right yeah. it's like I'm gonna write I'm I'm like sitting butt in the chair whatever but I don't know for me it is pretty emotional so uh, yeah it's just like I guess it's for me yeah, for me it's about like energy and voice and if that's not there then then I will be like perfectionistic and like like agonizing over every word and it's I don't recommend it it's terrible yeah it's not it's not fun so then do you have cleaning routines like you have like two two cats and a dog yes. and fish and shrimp 
my part so he does all the aquariums they're not my they're yeah not that my sounds labor intensive I like designing them when they're like empty and like, yeah. like let's put this wood here and like whatever but he once they're up and running he takes care of them and then we have a deal so we we when we moved in together we all we both listed like the things that we didn't mind doing for chores mm-hmm. and then the things that we like hated doing oh that's really smart and we kind of were able to trade off he definitely gets annoyed with me because I'm also home a lot less so right I don't have as much time to clean and I also I'm happy to clean but you have to ask me okay and sometimes he's like can you just to not ask you and doesn't want to have to be asked yeah i'm like i don't but it doesn't bother me (laughs) because you're not as invested because you're not as there as much yeah and so uh but he does the litters and then i do all the laundry okay that's a good deal yeah he also takes out the garbage and i like do all the laundry (laughs) (laughs) but who does like do you guys dust like how do you do clean the bathroom we do yes we do this only when someone's coming over okay (laughs) but what is like and we're pretty good at like maintaining on the day-to-day okay but what what is something you hate so you don't like the litter what else I don't even hate it it's just like oh one of our cats does not bury his poop and it's disgusting right he just leaves it he just like wants it to be there the first thing you see what do I hate mm-hmm. oh I hate emptying the fridge I'll never empty oh okay the fridge all right so your boyfriend does that he does that. he does all the things okay he's so great do you make the bed um I wash the sheets. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask if you I had mean, feelings yeah. about and washing sheets. And I do make sheets. the bed. Like, like I always, I don't necessarily make it when we get up and leave, but like I have to like make it nice before yeah, I get Yeah, you can't go night. into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you like prioritize your activities over cleaning maybe? Yes. Okay. Did you guys use a vacuum or a broom? Broom. Okay. We would love a vacuum. <laughs> we would okay. love a new vacuum. We have one, but the the like thing that holds the bag Duct spontaneously tape. opens. Oh, no, no. It's very annoying. Okay. Well, if you want vacuum recommendations, I yeah. can recommend. I think we want to shop that because you can vacuum oh, up be water good for the pets. Okay. Yeah, those are hard, heavy yeah. duty, but very effective. Yeah. Okay. We're saving up for a couch right now. I'm a big like I like to make my space pretty. Yeah. So we're saving up for a couch right now. I'm okay. very excited. We're gonna order that couch next week. Oh, that's really exciting. So first the couch, then the vacuum for now, brooms. Yes. Okay. Great. Okay. I just love cleaning routines. I just find it's interesting to know that people are out in the world doing all their things. And then at home, it's like, what do their baseboards look like? Do they care? It's like, must be nice to not really care. Yeah. Don't really care. That's like very liberating. Sometimes I have moments if I'm like in a mood, I'll suddenly care, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty rare that that. And then you just go to town if somebody's going to come over. Yeah. When someone comes over, we do like power cleaning and then we're pretty good like because we don't want to spend time doing it. So we'll just like do kind of 10 minutes of room. We do have a spare room that we kind of throw all of our mess into most of the time. That's a common technique. So that's that's a room that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for indulging me in your cleaning routines. I love that. And now we're just going to wrap up. So if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? Um, you don't have to be super noble about it either. Like it could just be. Donuts would be, there'd be more fancy donut shops and they would be cheaper. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Where do you like to get your donuts now? So there's like a vegan donut place on St. Denis that's good, but like it doesn't need to be vegan. Then there's... 
There's Tuda Bang. That's a good one. But like they're so far from my house. And in Toronto, I feel like there's a fancy donut shop on every corner. Okay. And that's what I want for here. Right. They were taking your well-being into consideration in Toronto. Yeah. Whereas, okay, we'll like send a letter to Valerie Plante maybe. Um, Oh my goodness. I think that's my last question. Let me see. Uh... Do you have comments about laundry? You do all the laundry. Okay. I do the laundry. I'm pretty anal about how I organize my clothes. Okay. That is one thing I care about is like preserving the clothes. Oh, yeah, because you have excellent clothes. Francesca is really into statement outfits. I do, I do love a statement outfit. Where do you get your clothes? I get it all over the place. Like I, I try to get clothes where like I know where it's made, which usually okay. means it's expensive. Okay. And that's why I taught myself to knit because... Oh, because you make the sweaters. Yeah, because I make the sweaters. And it's really expensive to find like ethically made sweaters. Yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want... I want to like not feel bad, but I don't have five hundred dollars. Yeah, spend. no, nor do many of us. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Look out for for Francesca's fashion is a real highlight for sure. So, if change one thing, do you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, no. Just like if you have kids. Be nice to them and <laughs> be nice to them. And I think that everyone could just learn the skill a little bit better of just like re- reflecting feeling. Oh, just like, like sometimes when someone says something to you like, oh, like I miss the bus. You feel pressure to be like, oh, should I call you a cab or like, should I whatever? You're going to be late and you can just be like, you're disappointed that you missed the bus. Oh, yeah. Like mirroring. Is that this similar to? I guess a little bit. We call it reflecting. Okay, yeah. But I just think that this is like a skill that if everyone did it a little more, everyone would be a little healthier. Right, like not codependent. And just, it's so easy. Yeah. 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 Okay. We always, and it's like we want to solve other people's problems, but some, but like when we do that, we don't teach them how to solve their own problems. So Yeah, and it's a burden to you for next time too. Exactly. So just reflect. <laughs> okay, great. So we are going to, we're about to sing a song for you guys so hold tight we'll be we'll be right back in two seconds okay this is really exciting so yeah so I have like you know seven to ten songs that guests can choose from and I chose Francesca's song as Wrecking Ball because I thought which is perfect yeah and so Francesca can actually do everything she can sing too she's a great singer so we're going to sing, and so the, the I wouldn't, like, Francesca is really good, but I think this is going to be more fun if, while you're listening, you can Google the song, and then you can sing along. So that's my recommendation, uh, although Francesca really rocks, and um, here we go. You ready? We're going to sing Wrecking Bell. Thank you, Miley Cyrus, for <laughs> letting us sing your song on the podcast. That was really generous. Okay, this is my favorite. Ready? Cloud, we chained our hearts in vain. We jumped, never asking why. We kissed, I fell under your spell of love. No one could deny. Don't you ever say, I just walked away. I will always want you. I can't live a lie running for my life. I will always want you. I never hit so hard in love All I wanted was to break 
Oh, so good. I love that. Um, so thank you, Francesca. So fun. Oh, yeah. I would play ukulele. I love this song so much. I do, too. Yeah, I love yeah tearing it apart also. Uh, so I think we're almost done. Uh, where can people find you? Um, mostly just on Instagram. It's at uncle underscore underscore Fran. At uncle underscore underscore Fran. Okay, we'll put that on the show notes. Yeah. I don't even think I follow you on Instagram. I'm in for a treat. Okay. <laughs> Yo, you are. <laughs> I mostly just post pictures of the things I did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. And then your show is Two, Two Lives. Lives. Featuring Francesca and Carol. So we'll put the times in the show notes. And that's starting June 9th. 9th. We open June 9th. We close June 26th. Second, okay those two weeks okay yeah. wonderful so that's great well thank you so much Francesca this has been a dream to have thank you. you and yeah thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you on the other side okay love you bye bye <laughs> Oh my goodness, you listened all the way to the end. Thank you so much. If you are enjoying the episodes, please tell your friends all about This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. You can even check out our merch at erikajschmidt.com slash merch. Our merch is homemade greeting cards featuring my favorite dogs, Lil and Bud. So get ready for that. Uh, For more information on how to support the show, you can get in touch with me on Instagram at erica.j.schmidt. You can also follow me on Facebook at Erica J. Schmidt. If we're not friends, maybe like, I don't know, maybe you can just follow me and not add me as a friend. And you can also reach me through my website at erikajschmidt.com slash content. Okay, this was really fun. That's it. Final thank yous. As always, thank you to my darling big sister, Tess Levitt, who helped me to refine the inspiration for this show. Thank you to Sherwin Tija, my creative and technical advisor and most cherished friend. And thank you to my dearly departed aunt, Eileen Gunn, whose surprise and generous gift made it possible for me to purchase my podcast equipment. And that's it. Thank you, dear listeners. And I can't wait till the next episode. Okay, I hope you have a reasonable day. Be loving and kind towards yourself. And okay, love you. Bye. <laughs>